You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College football today. Oh, we are set for a full slate of top 25 action later today. College football rankings are out. And Alabama is not the top team in the country. It is Georgia, Alabama, Notre Dame, and Clemson. Rock and Ritz Sermonello. Something tells me, though, Tuesday night we'll see a change in the rankings after today's action. Well, Joe, it's November. There's a little nip in the air. Uh, yesterday was warm. <laughs> Walked into the city. It was a little bit cold today. And the rankings are out. And that means one thing. The playoff chase has officially begun. So now that we're into November... Every game, every Saturday is really going to matter when it comes to the playoff hunt. I love the fact that Georgia's number one. I mean, I, I've been a big fan of this committee. You don't like it because it's too much pressure on the dogs. That's why they're, they're, there's a target on the dogs no right comment. now. Yeah, to, to me, the committee consistently does a good job. I, I think they do an excellent job of really evaluating the totality of the information not just final scores, but film, game control. They really have a good perspective putting Georgia number one, having Oklahoma over Ohio State, which concerned me. There was talk that maybe the Buckeyes would jump the Sooners despite the fact that they lost to Oklahoma earlier in the year. So at this point, take a deep breath. You know, it's just the first rankings, but I think the committee's off to a good start. I I agree. I think you had to put Clemson ahead of Ohio State and Oklahoma defending national champions. They do have a tough battle with NC State later today. Sit back, relax. Rich and I have you covered for the next three hours at 10.06 Eastern. We'll be joined by current Akron head coach Terry Bowden. We'll get coaches take about the state of his program and more importantly about Matt Campbell uh, moving on to Iowa State. He's got a big battle with West Virginia at 1124 Eastern. We'll be joined by former West Virginia running back Avon Colborne. We'll see if uh, West Virginia could get it going today against Iowa State. A disappointing loss last week to Oklahoma State. Then our resident guru Game Time Decisions host Gabe Morenci will join us at 1040 1140 Eastern. We'll get his best bets for the 330 8 o'clock and of course 12 o'clock Uh, excuse me, 12 o'clock games later today. This is what it's all about, though, Rich. And you look at Thursday and Friday night's action. Memphis and Riley Ferguson continue to roll a dominating victory over Tulsa, 41-14. to On the flip side, Utah dominating UCLA and Josh Rosen. I mean, this is a team now in UCLA, 4-5, and allowed 272 rushing yards to the Utes. When do we start talking about Jim Mora being on the hot seat? Now. (laughs) Yeah, about a month ago. I mean, I I thought he was entering hot seat territory before the season began. I have said for years, you and I both agreed, this team lacks heart. They lack physicality. They're not tough at the point of contact. They don't play good defense. And now Josh Rosen is hurt. If I'm Josh Rosen, why do I want to come back in the regular season? I have no idea. Prepare to be a first-round draft choice next April. UCLA is done. They're probably not going to play in a bowl game. Time to move on from Jim Moore. And they did a good job last night. They only allowed 272 rushing yards to Utah. Their season average entering that game was 307. When we come back, we'll be jump right into it. Alabama, LSU. This is Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34.
Playing daily fantasy basketball this year? Consider Daily Roto your go-to resource. Whether you play on DraftKings or FanDuel, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. With a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, there's no better place to get your NBA DFS content. Better yet, you can save 10% using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com slash premium and learn more about our awesome product. Back on College Football Today, Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live from Studio 34, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. If you want to talk college football with us, give us a call, 844-843-6879. That's 844-843-6879. Huge battle taking place in Tuscaloosa. It is LSU. It is Alabama. Since 2011, Alabama's dominated the series. They're 6-0 over LSU by 12.8 points per game. They've dominated the SEC this year, Rich. They're 5-0 and have won those games by 39.2 points per game. But I think the week off here benefits LSU. I'm calling for the outright upset later today. Am I going to have to have you Outright upset. (laughs) That is not happening. I hate to chuckle, but there's no way they're pulling the upset. I I, I can see the cover. That wouldn't surprise me. I, I think three touchdowns is high. The last three games have been pretty close. LSU is competitive. Defensive struggles. I could see a similar game here. LSU played well before the break. I tend to think that the two weeks off benefits Nick Saban, Jeremy Pruitt. They do a phenomenal job with the bye week preparing for an opponent. In this game, Joe, the reason why the the upset won't happen is I just don't like Danny Etling, Matt Candidate or not. I don't like Danny Etling in this setting against that defense, Minka Fitzpatrick, the back seven of Alabama, the ability now to get after the quarterback with Rashawn Evans from the linebacker position, LSU with a young offensive line, I like the fact that Darius Geis is getting healthy. Looked great before the break. Went for about 270-plus. Arden Key has to be phenomenal. I mean, I think this is one of those games that NFL scouts are going to watch very closely. He's been a little bit out of shape. Hasn't been in game shape this year. Hasn't been dominant. Showed flashes in October. He needs to get after Jalen Hurts in a big way tonight. I think he will. Here's the thing I look at when I look at LSU offensively. They're averaging 216 rushing yards on the ground, passing for 201 yards through the air. You mentioned Danny Etling. He's completing 60% of his passes, 1,452 yards, nine touchdowns, one interception. This is an LSU offense, Rich, over the last three games now, Florida, Auburn, and Ole Miss. They're averaging 255 yards on the ground two weeks ago in Oxford. They rushed for 393 on the Rebels' defense. But I look at the defense overall by LSU as being the difference. They're allowing 173 passing yards per game on the season. Only five passing touchdowns allowed over the last four games. One passing touchdown. And oh, by the way, I know you like that one. 8 of 35 over the last three games in terms of third down conversions. To me, that's the difference. They do have 11 sacks as well over the three-game stretch. And I think Arden Key gets healthy tonight. I, I, listen, I think this is his audition for the first round of the NFL draft. He has that kind of talent as a pass rusher. Greedy Williams on the back end. Devin White, the linebacker, I feel has become the new heart and soul of that defense in the middle for the Tigers. And clearly they're playing better. They regroup from the Troy loss. I think this is a different team over the past month. But again, I'll go back to Danny Etling because 
We have seen that LSU teams, like Leonard Fournette-led teams, that's where Heisman trophies go to die when they face Alabama. When Alabama can focus on simply stopping a running game, stopping one back, one weapon, they're unbeatable, they're impenetrable, they're impregnable. I don't think Danny Etling can make this defense kind of be back on its heels a little bit. Give them something to think about, something to guess about. DJ Chark on the outside, quality receiver. Gage, another quality receiver. But to me, I think this comes down to Danny Etling. Can he provide balance to the LSU offense? I don't think it happens. Again, I agree with you. I think LSU covers. I think this is a 14-17 to point victory. But Alabama's defense is just too tough. Well, here's where I agree with you about Danny Etling solely carrying this team into this ballgame. But this is why they got Matt Canada. This is exactly why they got Matt Canada. We brought it up last week as well in regards to Matt Campbell and Iowa State at home against TCU. I thought they were playing with house money. Now, I I think they played very well defensively, but he did take some chances. Here, LSU has nothing to lose. I mean, nobody's expecting them to win. They played safe last year in in Death Valley, lost that ballgame 10 to nothing. It was three points much of the way before Jalen Hurts broke it open. Here, I think they could afford to be aggressive and this is where Matt Canada's experience as a play caller will take over. Play action on first and second down. That'll open up running lanes and, more importantly, build confidence for Danny Etling. And that's why I'm leaning towards LSU. I think it's close, 24-21. But I think LSU doesn't fear Alabama, and that's why I'm calling for the upset. And you and I agree, too, Joe. We've talked about it on this show over the past couple of weeks. Despite the the numbers which have been okay leading up to the Ole Miss game, 40-24, prior to that, not scoring in bushels. Mm -hmm. But Matt Canada has started to get comfortable with his personnel. You could see it in the game plan. Planning in the gameplay calling during against against Auburn, I thought he called a great game too. despite yeah. the fact that they didn't you know pile up the points in the yard. So Canada is getting comfortable with that personnel. Darius Geis being healthy, I mean, you just can't overstate the importance of that to the entire LSU team. But again, this is a young offensive line that because of injuries, they've been starting two, three freshmen at a time. Now for you to go up against Deron Payne. And that front seven, Sean Dion Hamilton at linebacker, that front seven of Alabama we know for the past decade has been so stout, so physical, so deep in its rotation. At the end of the day, if it's not for non-offensive touchdowns, if LSU is not getting a defensive score, special team score, I think they're going to have a hard time making this a competitive game in the fourth quarter. But again, I'll stress the point. LSU is playing well enough. Their two best players, Geis and Key, healthy as they've been all season. So I think three touchdowns is still a high number. Yeah, we'll see. That's not to take away anything that Alabama's done this year from an offensive perspective. They're averaging 298 rushing yards on the ground. They're passing for 201 yards through the air defensively. They are rock solid in run support, holding opposing offenses to 66 rushing yards per game. And the secondary, you mentioned Minka Fitzpatrick and the crew, holding opposing offenses to right around the 166 yards through the air and their plus 10 in turnover margin. Here's what I look at when I look at Jalen Hurts from a numbers perspective, Rich, he's completing over 60% of his passes, over 1,200 yards passing, only 12 touchdowns, one interception. Danny Etling does have more passing yards heading into this ballgame than Jalen Hurts. Well, you know why that is. I mean, that's because the offense of Alabama is designed around the running game. I mean, you know, Alabama doesn't have to throw it that much. Alabama's never in comeback mode. LSU is at times. I mean, so LSU has to go up top occasionally. They've had to earlier in the season just in order 
to kind of narrow the gap on opponents. So Etling has to be a bigger key in the passing game than Jalen Hurts does. And again, that depth of that that running game for Alabama is a major concern. Damian Harris not getting as much attention nationally because he's only got 81 carries. They don't have to overuse him. They don't have to uh, overuse a Bo Scarborough, Najee Harris. Uh, None of those backs are going to be tired at the end of the game or at the end of the season. And talking about run defense, we know how tough that Alabama is. LSU, 4.3 yards per carry. That would be a concern of mine if I'm LSU and Dave Aranda, their defensive coordinator. They have not been great against the run. And if you can't slow down the running game of Alabama, then Jalen Hurts can hurt you both with his arm and his legs. Yeah, that's a great point. He does have over 600 rushing yards as well as six rushing touchdowns on the year. I think if you're LSU, you have to. It's imperative to score first in this ballgame. Put the pressure on Jalen Hurts. Allow your defense to become aggressive. This is a defense now that enters this ballgame, plus three in turnover margin. They do have 26 total sacks through eight games, and they're playing with a physicality over the last three games. That's the one thing I think from a confidence perspective, Dave Aranda's been able to dial it up. He utilized a lot of blitz packages against Shea Patterson two weeks ago. He Look for the same type of mentality today, especially if they have a lead against Jalen Hurts. The one thing I'll say about the LSU defense, looking at, looking at it from a historical context, I don't think this is a vintage LSU defense. Now, now you have an Arden Key. I like Devin White, but I'm not sure if he's an elite playmaker from from linebacker. The secondary, again, Greedy Williams having a really nice season. Young kid. He's probably, you know, has a bright future. But but there are no, you know, there's no Patrick Peterson that I see out of the secondary. This is not necessary. This is more of a blue-collar, grinding type of a defense. That could be a problem when Alabama begins to go downhill. And again, not to throw too many numbers out there. We get a little bit number-centric. But we're at a time of the year where the numbers kind of matter more because we now have eight, nine games in the bank. LSU on third downs. You and I love to bring up third downs. That's such a key factor. 89th yeah. nationally. Yeah. So if they're not converting on third downs, again, that plays into the hand of Alabama in terms of what they want to do. Yeah, I agree with you. They can't for- be forced into third down in long situations. That's why I think Matt Canada does have to be aggressive early on to open up running lanes and, more importantly, build confidence in the offensive line. I don't buy into the fact, though, with the college football playoffs, you know, Alabama being number two, that's it. It's over for LSU. I don't see that. I think there's a lot of pressure. I, I think, I think there's, there's a, a motivation with that. Though. See, that, the first thing I thought was, I did. When Alabama, whenever Alabama gets doubted in any possible way, I get nervous for opponents. So when Alabama's number two, you know Nick Saban goes to the podium and says, I don't care about polls. They're completely meaningless. But in that locker room, he's saying... You know what? The nation believes Georgia's better than you guys. Go out and prove them wrong. And I think that's what the mentality will be tonight. Well, if LSU somehow, some way, pulls off the upset later tonight, all the pressure will be off Ed Ogeron and this coaching staff that really has struggled. Oh, yeah. But they've made adjustments, and this is what it's all about. This is going to be a blue-collar game, 8 o'clock CBS. When we come back, we'll be talking about the Bedlam Brawl. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34. Did you?
Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. o'clock later today, Baker Mayfield in Oklahoma, Mason Rudolph and Oklahoma State. Over the last couple of years, Oklahoma's won the last two over the Cowboys by 26 and a half points per game. Lincoln Riley, his first bedlam brawl. To me, that's the difference. I'm expecting Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy to break out later today. Double-digit win over the Sooners in Stillwater. You know what the one lock in this game is? <laughs> is that Gus Johnson is going to be fired up. I, I mean, was going to say this that. This is just a perfect Gus Johnson game. I would be absolutely stunned, Joe, if this is not... 45 42 possibly you know last team with the ball i like oklahoma state as well i'll give you a couple of reasons uh games in Stillwater that helps you mentioned gundy versus lincoln riley that's an advantage for oklahoma state uh coach gundy's done this uh more than a more than about a dozen times yeah. actually uh lincoln riley his first but for me the biggest difference is the oklahoma state defense i i think this might be one of the most underrated units in the entire country. We know that the offenses have Baker Mayfield versus Mason Rudolph, great skill position players. I really like what Oklahoma's doing with Rodney Anderson. Has not been healthy early in his career. Now he's running like a locomotive. But the difference is defense. Look at what Oklahoma State did last week against my guy, Will Greer. Four picks. They have been doing that all year long. I'll throw out a stat that's going to really matter today. If you have Baker Mayfield and Mason Rudolph on the field at the same time, pass defense is going to matter. Oklahoma State, 16th nationally, 16th in pass efficiency defense. Oklahoma, 99th. Oklahoma has a sieve of a defense. Oklahoma State led up the back end by Trey Flowers, Ramon Richards, A.J. Green, Joe, vastly underrated defense. That'll be a difference in this Bedlam edition. Yeah, I agree with you. You talk defense. Statistically, both defenses are right in the area. Oklahoma allowing 145 rushing yards on the ground. They're allowing 239 through the air. You look at Oklahoma State, they're giving up 125 rushing yards, two opposing offenses, and 232 passing yards per game. But it does come down to the front seven for me of Oklahoma State. Over the last couple of games, Rich, in terms of Texas and West Virginia, they held both of those opponents to 104 total rushing yards per game. That's an average of 52 yards per game. I think they can make Oklahoma's offense one-dimensional in this ballgame. And I just feel that Mason Rudolph and that offense have so many playmakers. We talk about James Washington, Jalen McCleskey. You talk about Aitman and Stoner at the wide receiver position. That group is ac- accounted for 132 receptions. 
receptions, 2,361 yards, 19 receiving touchdowns. You have King and you have yeah. Justice Hill. They looked rock solid last week on the road yeah. in Morgantown, and they really impressed me with a gutty road win. They fell, uh, they jumped up early, but they allowed that lead to slip. They they maintained their composure and were still able to win that ball game by 11 points. To me, I think they carry that through to Stillwater later today. And more importantly, again, Lincoln Riley, a lot of pressure on this coaching staff to step up, especially with Oklahoma now sitting at number five in the rankings. And Oklahoma has not played, in my opinion, they played well against Texas Tech better than I thought last week. But over the past month, I mean, they've they lost to Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's better than any of us thought, for sure. They struggled with Baylor. Mm-hmm. They have not looked like a great football team. And you bring up an excellent point. Last week in West Virginia, thought that would be a more competitive game. 50-39 to 39 Oklahoma State. And if not for a pick six and a big special teams play, I mean, Oklahoma State could have ran away and hid in that game. They dominated on both sides of the ball. Again, lots of takeaways for Oklahoma State. Flip side of that, Oklahoma all season long, Joe, 8 takeaways for the defense. There's far too much skill position players. Now, Obo Okoronkwo, the defensive end slash outside linebacker, he's the guy that Oklahoma State has to watch out for because Oklahoma State's offensive line has been banged up. They're young. They're vulnerable. If Obo can get off the edge and into Mason Rudolph's face, that could change the tenor of the game. That could create turnovers. But again, I keep going back to similar offenses. Both are potent. Both are very well coached. Both led by outstanding senior quarterbacks that will play on Sundays. But the defense of Oklahoma State dramatically better than Oklahoma. And I think we've sort of forgotten about Oklahoma State since the TCU loss. This is a very good football team. They have a chance to thrust themselves back into the Big 12 championship picture. I think they get the victory. It'll be very high scoring. I think it'll be close throughout, but I could see something again like 48 to 42 and Gus absolutely losing his <laughs> mind by the end of the game. I love Gus Johnson, I, by the I way. I do, too. I mean, if you haven't watched those 4 o'clock games yeah. on Fox, the Penn State-Ohio State game, even Kansas State-Oklahoma, Gus Johnson was out of control. I mean, really made that game watchable. I think if Oklahoma's to win this ball game, it does fall on Baker Mayfield. He's sporting a new mustache for the Bedlam Brawl. He, he showcased it on Twitter and Instagram earlier this morning. I, I tweeted it out, so... We'll We'll see if it helps him. He is completing 72% of his passes, 2,628 yards, 23 touchdowns, three interceptions. We talk about third down offense. Oklahoma is converting 46% of their third down opportunities, but it does come down to defense. They're allowing... 41% to opposing offenses. If they allow Mason Rudolph and Oklahoma State to maintain drives, it's going to be a long day for Oklahoma. Here's the question I want to ask you. If either team blows out the opponent today, do they automatically jump up into the top five of the rankings of the college football playoff, in your opinion? Everything else being equal, assuming no losses, obviously, from a Clemson to NC State or, or Ohio State falling to Iowa, I... I don't think so, because I think there's a lack of respect at this point for the Big 12, whether it's deserved or not. I think sometimes it is deserved. I don't know if they have a dominant team, right? TCU looked like they were going to carry the banner, and then they don't even score an offensive touchdown last week against Iowa State. So Big 12 right now, and and Pac-12 as well, really. I mean, neither of those conferences have a great deal of national respect. They don't have a true cover boy to kind of like carry the banner on a national level. So even in a blowout situation, all things being equal, I think they have a difficult time 
jumping teams like Clemson, Notre Dame, if Notre Dame holds serve against Wake Forest. I think it's an uphill climb for the Big 12 and even steeper climb for the Pac-12 if we're talking about the playoffs. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, But I, I feel Oklahoma State, to me, this is an elimination game for Oklahoma because they lost to Iowa State. If they lose this game today, they are out because Iowa State would have the inside edge down the road for a Big 12 championship appearance. So keep an eye out for that. But I think if Oklahoma State steps up and dominates this game 17, 24 points because it is Baker Mayfield, what they were able to do against Ohio State in Columbus, I could possibly see Oklahoma State being right there on the cusp of number four, challenging Clemson, depending upon what the Tigers do later today in Raleigh. Yeah, Big 12 right now needs one of its one-loss teams to remain a one-loss team. I mean, if you're talking about big picture, and when I say big picture, I'm thinking playoffs, whether it's TCU or the winner of Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, they're going to need that team to continue to ride right through this year's Big 12 championship game become a one-loss team, throw that into the mix. But this is a unique season when we talk about the playoffs because we haven't had Notre Dame in the mix during the playoff era. Now ND has the one loss, one uh, one-point one loss to Georgia. So they're number three in the country. And the SEC has two viable contenders for a national championship in Alabama and Georgia. So you could be talking about not just one, but multiple teams or multiple conference champions being on the outside looking in. So the Big 12 needs a good showing today. It needs TCU to be Texas, and it needs whoever wins in Bedlam to continue to ride. Yeah, I think Mike Gundy is the difference in this ballgame. To me, he's the difference in, from a coaching advantage, and he has better players, in my opinion, on the offensive side of the ball. I'm calling for the 10-point victory, 45-35 yeah. to 35, Oklahoma State over Oklahoma. Yeah, and again, I, I think it's a, just a, a truly entertaining game, particularly if you if you don't like defense, because I don't think there will be a lot of defense <laughs> in this game. Takeaways will be the key, Joe. I think this is advantage Oklahoma State. I think it's going to come down to turnovers. But if a score is needed... Baker Mayfield will deliver. If a score is needed, I think Mason Rudolph will deliver. It'll be that kind of a back-and-forth game. Wildly entertaining. Rivals. A lot at stake. It's just a fun college football game. It's a great watch. It's 4 o'clock. It's on Fox front and center stage. Gus Johnson on the call. Rich and I both like Oklahoma State in that matchup. Let's turn our attention to a marquee ACC battle. It's Clemson on the road in Raleigh to face NC State and Ryan Finley. Since 2012, Clemson's won five straight over NC State by 17.8 points per game, but this game did go to overtime last year in Death Valley where Clemson escaped with a 24-17 win over the Wolfpack. They missed a field goal, Rich. Otherwise, Clemson might not have won the national championship last year. They came back with a gutty effort over uh, Georgia Tech last week, a 14-point win in the muck. Yeah, I think it continues, though, later today. I think they're the more complete defense heading into this matchup. I, I do think it'll be competitive. I have Clemson winning because Clemson always beats AP top 25 teams <laughs> eight in a row. They've, they've beaten ranked opponents eight straight times. And, and, you know, again, now that we got to November, certain teams, Clemson being one of them, they're now thinking championship. They're thinking repeat. This is this is playoff run time. Clemson has regrouped from the uh, from the Syracuse loss. Kelly Bryant, the key, might not be a hundred percent, but he's getting closer to hundred percent in terms of his ankle, in terms of his concussion. He was a big difference against Georgia Tech. And yeah, listen, if you like defensive lines, uh, maybe Ohio State, Michigan later this month. Maybe. But if you like defensive lines, this game between Clemson. And NC State is right up your alley because it's littered with All-American candidates. 
I think NC State has the wherewithal, even after losing badly to Notre Dame last week, to compete in this game. But at the end of the day, Clemson pulls away. I can see this being about a 10 to 13 point victory for the Tigers. Championship time is upon us. Nobody does that better than Clemson and Dabo Swinney. So I think they get out of Raleigh with a victory. Yeah, you mentioned the front seven of Clemson. They entered this ballgame with 32 total sacks through eight games. Pharrell and Brian have really stepped up to lead that front seven. Wilkins is there as well as Dexter Lawrence. When we come back, we'll be breaking down this game a little bit greater in detail. Keep it where it is. This is Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Studio 34. If you're playing daily fantasy basketball on DraftKings or FanDuel this NBA season, you need to sign up for Daily Roto. Built by a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. Better yet, you can save 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com backslash premium to learn more about their product. Talking a little Clemson, talking a little NC State. Kelly Bryant back from injury last week to lead Clemson over Georgia Tech. A, a solid 14-point performance while NC State on the road, Rich. That was our lock of the week. We love the Wolfpack. They didn't step up <laughs> did on the road. We did love the Wolfpack. Thank we you did. for reminding me. I know. We st- we did. It looked good for about a quarter. It, it was tough. Yeah. We, we had a 14. Didn't we have a 14-7 lead in that? 14-7. We were like, uh, just counting the money at that point. Yeah, Ryan Finley and the crew, he actually threw his first interception in yeah. 313 uh, pass attempts. He led the nation until they put out that statistic and he did not step up. Julian but, Love takes it back the yeah, other way. Yeah. yeah, without a doubt. So when you look at this ball game, though, it is going to come down to NC State's ability to contain Kelly Bryant. I think if Clemson wins this ball game, they're going to have to attack NC State's secondary that's given up 264 passing yards per game. I look for Ray Ray McLeod, Hunter Renfro, and Deion Kane, who really, as a whole, only 99 total receptions but four re- touchdowns through the air receiving, they're going to need a better effort today. And I, I still think the speed advantage favors Clemson well, what Clemson I, what in this I wanted to pose to you, looking at the big picture today, mm-hmm. but also big picture of the ACC race and the playoff chases, Clemson's offense, to me, not impressive. And this is not a knock on Kelly Bryant, but you know where is the ability to stretch the field? In terms of plays... Of 20 yards or more. I kind of consider those to be explosive plays. I'll I'll put the line at 20 yards. They're just 67th nationally. So, you know, I know there's some good parts, but I've said this throughout the year. Kelly Bryant's done a nice job. You know, nobody's going to compare him to Deshaun Watson. He's done a nice job when he's been healthy. But where is the true number one back and number one receiver? Like, I I don't know if they have a go-to guy. They have some nice spare parts. You mentioned some of them. I really like Deion Kane. I think he's a field stretcher. But Clemson's offense has been so mediocre. Now, I like them today, but I think this is a competitive game. I think this might be a competitive game throughout just because they don't have the offense to really 
pull away from good opponents. And I think NC State, despite last week's loss, still is a solid program. And what's interesting about this matchup is I mentioned Oklahoma being an elimination game because they lost to Iowa State. Well, Clemson did lose to Syracuse within the conference. NC State's two losses this year to South Carolina, an SEC opponent, and last week to Notre Dame do not count against the conference record. They're unscathed. Yeah, they're unscathed. If NC State wins, the the Atlantic division is over. Exactly. Uh, I mean, it would take a complete collapse mathematically still alive but you bring up an excellent point we didn't talk about it but the ACC Atlantic is at stake in this game I mean this is more than just a huge interesting matchup Clemson rolling to another title if Clemson stumbles today they're done uh, they are not winning the ACC title it's going to be NC State from the Atlantic side and then out of the coastal Miami Virginia Tech which we'll talk about in a little bit but this is a huge game with enormous implications in terms of the ACC Atlantic Division race yeah Clemson could go to the Sun Bowl which uh, would be one of my favorite, <laughs> Your favorite. Bowl games Joe the always brings Sun Bowl. up the Sun Bowl yeah, Something I love about that Sun Bowl Joe Lisi in El Paso I think Joe Lisi has a retirement home in El Paso <laughs> lovely the West Texas the rolling hills of El Paso yeah. if, the, if Clemson wins this game though too it will come down to third down defense they're holding opposing offenses to 29% on third downs you look you mentioned Bradley Chubb in that front seven statistically eight games 20 total sacks I mean they really haven't Could stepped it up yeah I yeah. mean they started fast as a defensive unit especially after their dominating road win over Florida State since that point they've tailed off a little bit I still think it's Clemson's ability. They can run for over 200 per game entering this ballgame. They're passing for over 200. They're a more balanced offense, and they have more playmakers where when push comes to shove, I think they'll step it up here. Uh, even though NC State will not fear Clemson in this ballgame, I just think this is a tough matchup. I'm calling for the 17-point victory right in the I, I area. Don't, I don't think it'll 37, be that I, I Listen, I think if you're betting this game and you have Clemson, which I, I like Clemson in this game, I, I'll say I think you'll be uncomfortable in the fourth quarter. Really? I, I, I don't think you're going to be running away and hiding. I, I think this will be I think this will be about a 10-point game in the fourth quarter. So I think I think you'll be rooting for the Clemson defense to protect that cover. Yeah, we'll see. It's going to fall on Ryan Finley. It'll fall on Jalen Samuels and Kevin Harmon. Their wide receivers stepped up in the first half of that ball game, did not step up in the second half, got outplayed by Brandon Winbush and Notre Dame. So you think they cover in this? I do. Wow. I do. I have it about a 10-point victory. I could see a 27-17 Clemson. Okay, but that they're, they're covering. They're, that's right. Seven. I think 17 points. 37-20 okay. in that matchup. It is a 3-30 They won't score kick. that many points. I'm telling you, Clemson's wow. offense is very sketchy this year. I don't think they get to 37. I think they put it in gear. We'll see. We'll, we'll bet a cup of coffee on okay. that one Sounds a little good. bit later. Let's turn our attention now. This game I love. It's a Big 12 battle. It's Iowa State and Matt Campbell fresh off their Fourteen to seven win over TCU in Ames last week, facing Will Greer and West Virginia. West Virginia's won the last three over Iowa State by twenty-two point three points per game. They picked up this victory last year in Ames, forty-nine to nineteen. I think it continues. I think Cinderella ends this weekend. I've been all over Iowa State. I'm calling for the thirteen-point Mountaineer victory later today. You're abandoning your fighting I cyclones. I, I can't believe when I. When, when you kind of hinted to that earlier in the week, I was like, I, I've i gone the other way. I love Iowa State. I was convinced last weekend. I mean, this is not a team of destiny. This is not a plucky team. This is a very well-coached, disciplined team. They do things that I like, which is create turnovers, 
play defense. They limit their mistakes. That's a problem for West Virginia. Now, it's hard to bet against West Virginia in Morgantown for a second straight week, but I watched that game very closely because I was rooting for West Virginia. I had West <laughs> Who Virginia. Who told you Iowa seven. State? Lacey was all, over, was all over Iowa State, and he was dead on perfect. But I watched that game with West Virginia, inconsistent defensively, and Will Greer, for as much as I like the kid and enjoy watching him play against better defenses this year, he has just been average. And again, last week, four interceptions. That 50-39 to outcome to Oklahoma State was not as close as it actually looked. So Iowa State... They've proven it on the road. They hammered Texas Tech in Lubbock. They beat Oklahoma in Norman. And that defense, led by John Heacock, their defensive coordinator, has been absolutely airtight. TCU, who had been playing so well, zero offensive points, zero against Iowa State. So I think they shut down Will Greer, West Virginia. Justin Crawford hasn't been that big of a factor. I think Iowa State, we flip sides here. I think Iowa State continues to roll. Yeah, here's what I look at when I look at this matchup. I just think there's certain matchups that favor certain teams, and I think that when you break this game down, West Virginia does have a significant speed advantage from an offensive stance in this ballgame. You mentioned the Iowa State defense. They're holding opposing offenses to 114 rushing yards per game. Through the air, though, they're giving up 220 passing yards per game on the road or on a neutral field site. It jumps up to 270 passing yards per game. Third down defense, they're allowing 42% on third downs. Here's what I look at when I break this game down from an offensive perspective. West Virginia is not running the football consistently. Neither is Iowa State over the last five games now against Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Texas Tech, and TCU. They're averaging 91.6 rushing yards per game. To me, it will come down to quarterback play. You look at Kyle Kemp, he's completing 66% of his passes 859 yards nine touchdowns two interceptions on the flip side you have will greer that's completing 63 percent of his passes 2752 yards 28 touchdowns nine interceptions they are the more prolific offense and if it comes down to quarterback play that's why i like west virginia in this ballgame you bring up a good point i mean my one concern about iowa state uh, is the running game not because of David Montgomery. David Montgomery He's is a, a very good back. The issue that I have is offensive line. If you wa- watch Iowa State, they don't get off their blocks. They allow a lot of pressure. This is, you know, Iowa State's a legit top 25 team. It's not a top 25 offensive line. But against this opponent, less of a concern because I don't like the West Virginia defensive line either. Now, I will give one name that I think it's worth watching on the West Virginia defense. Defense was horrific last week against Oklahoma State. But did you see David Long, their linebacker? Now, David Long in September was hurt. So now he's finally healthy. He had a stat line that I... I've been covering this sport for almost two decades. I have never seen before. Seven tackles for loss. I have never seen that. The kid was absolutely fantastic. So Iowa State is going to have to contain David Long, who's going to pin his ear back, try to put a lot of pressure on Kyle Kemp, get to David Montgomery in the backfield. So the Iowa State offensive line is my concern, but less so because West Virginia along the defensive line is only marginally good. 
I agree with that. And West Virginia, to me, didn't play all that bad in terms of man-to-man coverage. They fell behind early, but in the second half, when they were able to force turnovers and get back into the ball game, to me, they forced Oklahoma State to methodically work down the field and make plays. Now, West Virginia did give up a lot of rushing yards to Justice Hill, but when you have an inconsistent offense like Iowa State, if you put them into third down and long situations, you're going to put a lot of pressure on Kyle Kemp. Now, this is a row game. That's why I like West Virginia as well, because Iowa State's played very well this year at home. They've played well on the road, but this is their third game on turf as well. It's a speed factor, and that's why I, I think Mountaineers get a 36-23 win over yeah, Iowa State. I mean, maybe I haven't been able to peg West Virginia. I, I had them against TCU. That was a win, but then last week I was really disappointed. Maybe I haven't uh, pegged West Virginia properly, but in terms of Iowa State, you talk about the pass defense. I, that's why I always look at pass efficiency defense, because sometimes pass defense in terms of true numbers, true total yards is deceptive because, sure. you know, the opponent is throwing in comeback mode. Sometimes those numbers pass efficiency defense are one of the best in the country, led by their safety tandem, Kamari Cotton Moya, Brian Peavy, the cornerback. So I think, listen, last week, Oklahoma State, similar type of a secondary controlled David Sills. David Sills did nothing. I think it'll be a similar scenario today. Yeah, I think if you are Iowa State and you want to win this ballgame, you need to jump up early and dictate the tempo. If they fall by behind early in this ballgame, it could be a long afternoon. When we come back, we'll be breaking down Wake Forest, Notre Dame. This is Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonella live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Studio 34. The award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network is your free fantasy source 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. You can catch this show and many others live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app, iHeartRadio, or TuneIn Radio. Want to listen on your computer at work? Go to FNTSY.com slash radio or check us out on YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page where you can ask questions, discuss topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your questions on the air. The number is 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 days a year fantasy sports network of its kind without a subscription. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your fantasy source. We're in the best pick time of the show. Rich and I have been on fire along with Gabe on the show. The show's been really giving out some solid selections each and every Saturday. You have to find your diamonds in the rough, but let's jump right into it. We were talking West Virginia. We were talking Iowa State. I love the Mountaineers today. It is a best selection of mine. 37 to 30, uh, 37, they get a 13 point win. 37 24 over Iowa State later today. Quickly, my boy Joe is too humble to admit that he's <laughs> 9 and 3 against the spread the last two weeks, so he has been on fire. Credit to Joe Lisi. I like Iowa State. I just think they're the more complete, more disciplined, better coach team. Too much inconsistency for West Virginia at this point. Yeah, we'll see. It's a 3 30 start on ABC, so check it out. We're bucking heads again. It is Notre Dame. It is Wake Forest. I was on NC State last week. So was Rich. I 
I'm sticking to my guns with a hot Wake Forest team. You're jumping off ship. You're taking Notre Dame and yeah. Brandon Wimbush today. I, listen, I'm impressed by what Dave Clawson has done, but some attrition really concerns me with Wake Forest. Greg Dorch, their big wide receiver who had four touchdown catches against Louisville last week, won't play. Top tackler, Jesse Bates out of the secondary, won't play. That's the kind of attrition I think Wake Forest can't handle. And I'm very impressed by Notre Dame. Their ability to run the ball. Wake Forest has a good, plucky defense. But against that line, led by Quentin Nelson, Mike McGlinchey, I think it'll be too much. I think Josh Adams, Brandon Wimbush, another big day. I think ND by three touchdowns today. Ooh, really? We're going to break that game down at the top of next segment. Uh, There's a couple of factors why I like Wake Forest. Mike Elko, the former Wake Forest D coordinator, is now defensive coordinator of Notre Dame. Notre Dame does have Miami on deck in week number 11, but we'll break that down in the next segment, so stick, keep it where it is. When we come back, we'll also talk uh, Miami and Penn State. I like Miami here. Miami's won three of the last five over Virginia Tech by 17.3 points per game. I think they get a 10-point win over Virginia Tech because of the inexperience of Josh Jackson later today. I uh, disagree. I couldn't disagree more. This was close. This was like 6A <laughs> of our six-pack of best bets. This was like 6A. I was so close to giving Virginia Tech as a best bet. Listen, I won't get into too many details till we get to the game. I just, I really, really like what Bud Foster is doing with that defense. Miami Fantastic. has been playing with fire all season long. A struggling Miami offense, which really had a hard time getting out of its own way against North Carolina, against that surging Virginia Tech defense. I, I think that's a recipe for a hokey victory as they'll move closer to a Coastal Division title. Penn State lost a very disappointing game in the horseshoe. Big lead allowed it to slip to JT Barrett. They now go on the road to East Lansing, where Michigan State's coming off a 39-31 to loss in overtime to Northwestern. I like Penn State here. Not best selection yeah. of mine, but you think they roll later today in the, I against do. Sporty. I do. Listen, I, I, again, I'll get into it a little bit later in the show. I just think that I, I'm not going to reinvent history just because Penn State collapsed in the final 10 minutes. Crushing loss, I get it. I think James Franklin will have his team back up for this game. They still have a lot to play for, but let, let's not forget that you know, as, as that fourth quarter started, that was a 35-20. I mean, Penn State was thoroughly handling Ohio State and Columbus. Now, yeah, listen, Ohio State got the win, but I don't judge a team based on 10 minutes of play. I think Penn State is far faster, far superior. I like what Mark D'Antonio has done, but that's a team that's still going through some growing pains, and we saw that against uh, Northwestern. Yeah, Michigan State last year struggled against uh, Penn State in Happy Valley. Uh, Nittany Lions dominated that matchup from start to finish. And where's the emotional factor of Michigan State? They expected to only have one loss. They lost last week in Ryan Field. Does that factor into this ballgame? Because Penn State still has an opportunity here. Should they run the table and dominate the competition, they should be right there for the college football playoff, even if they don't win. Joe, if they have one loss by one point in Columbus, I think they at least have to be in the discussion. Yeah, if they don't win a Big Ted championship game, to me, it doesn't matter. If Penn State wins out the rest of the year, when they break it down, they're going to say Penn State's deserving, especially what happened in 2016. When we come back, we'll be breaking down Wake Forest, Notre Dame. This is Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonella live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34. 